minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
soldiers said or how the rain would pour. Lady always kept a smile and wiped the tears away. Nothing could ever keep him down when he'd start to say, It's Shabbos now, Shabbos now, and it will be Good boy. 
צדיק כתמה יפרח כארז בלבנון יזכה כתולים בבית השם בית השם צדיק כתמה יפרח כארז בלבנון יזכה שתולים בבית השם בית השם In the AM Friday morning broadcast. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. It is a uh, another wonderful era of Shabbos, to say the least. Friday morning, November the fourth, the third day in the month of Mar Cheshvan. This is the month that uh, we observe Shlomo Kalbach's yard site. So that big special is coming up uh, a week from Thursday. Uh, looking forward to that. Erev Shabbos Parsha's Noach with candle lighting time at 5.28 on this Erev Shabbos. 5.28, your official candle lighting time. This will be the final <laughs> normal time for a while next week. We're going to be really early since we changed the clock. Go back to a standard time uh, tomorrow night. Keep that in mind. Standard time tomorrow night. There used to be, in, in an era when we used to have a lot more Jewish music concerts in this area, uh, when it wasn't Cholomoid, um, this used to be a big concert night tomorrow night, and one of the pitches would be that uh, you know when you leave the concert at eleven o'clock, it's really ten p.m. So you know you're not spending your entire Saturday night there, so to speak. 
Uh, I don't know of any shows tomorrow night. If you know of any, you can certainly forward us the information. I know a lot of people will be uh, resting as they get ready for the New York City Marathon on Sunday. And again, Yashikoch to Peter Burkowski and those who are making sure there's a minion, and in this case, multiple minions, Sunday morning in Staten Island, Fort Wadsworth, for the start of the New York City Marathon. Kol HaKavod. Uh, diaspora, <coughs> excuse me, Diaspora had Sadiq. You heard Eighth Day with its Shabbos now. Itcha Ani, done by Avremo, Mordechai Shapiro's Ivdu. Malchuscha, that's Ohad. Eish, with Birchas Habayis. Yonina Siegel played that song in the car last night. And I told her i got to start the show with it. It is. She reminded me of one of the most unbelievably beautiful uh, Jewish music selections out there. It comes from Eish, Volume 2. It's in slot number 8 on the CD, with A.B. Rottenberg and Shlomo Simcha, called Birchas Habayis. And Regesh, of course... Modaani opening things up, and we say good morning. 54 degrees outside with sunshine and a high of 59. Clear tonight, low 39. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature, 61 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 70. We're at 54 here in Jersey City. We say good morning at JM and the AM. Hey, want to uh, wish a mazel tov uh, to uh, Dr. Shari and Dr. Renone Mann, Teaneck, New Jersey. They are celebrating the bar mitzvah of Joseph Mann uh, tomorrow. So, Joseph, we say uh, Mazal Tov to you and to the entire family from all of us here at JM and the AM. That bar mitzvah taking place in Teaneck, New Jersey, on Parshas Noach. By the way, if you're a Gabai out there, if you're a Gabai of a shul in our community, you may want to tune in this coming Monday morning. Or by Heber, or by David Heber, is going to be joining us with uh, Jewish calendaric trivia for 5777. He says he has some quirks to discuss about the calendar for the year that now we are uh, that now that we're in now, and um, he'll join us uh, in the seven o'clock hour this coming uh, Monday morning. We always look forward to that. Love those segments with Rabbi Heber, and uh, I hope you will as well. Candle lighting on this erev Shabbos five twenty-eight. Bahab. Speaking of Gabayim, <laughs> Bahab starts on Monday. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. Tuesday is election day. Tuesday is election day. The presidential election campaigns end Tuesday. Uh, a big sigh of relief, I'm sure, from uh, all sides of the United States of America. Uh, but don't forget to vote. Don't forget to vote, vote Tuesday, and we'll remind you constantly, obviously, between now and uh, then. And uh, don't forget, as I said earlier, uh, the clocks will, in fact, change tomorrow night, Sunday morning. And Sunday morning, uh, 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m., uh, again, Sunday morning, uh, 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m. Uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. J.M. in the a.m., uh, 6.34 on this Friday. Don't forget that uh, Malcolm Holmline will be joining us about an hour from now. Weekly update will be happening. We'll go through the events of the week. You'll have an opportunity to hear all of that starting at about 7.40 Eastern Time here at J.M. in the a.m. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15. Plenty more all the way until 9 o'clock. Naomi Nachman at 9 a.m., with Table for Two. Kedem and its presentation of the amazing Erev Shabbos music mix starts at 10 a.m. We have noticed, this is something that um, I saw this week, we have noticed an amazing increase of listenership on Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov over the last few weeks, starting uh, with Erev Rosh Hashanah. And that trend has continued on every Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov since then, which means we are on to something. We are really on to something. When it comes to Erev Shabbos and Erev Yom Tov, we know exactly uh, the type of music you want and how you want to prepare in your home, in your office, in your car, wherever you might be, for the upcoming day. So 
Thanks again to Mark Zamek for putting it all together. And everybody out there, enjoy the Erev Shabbos music mix all day long on your phone, uh, through our listen line, on your computer, on your iPad, on your, on your NSN app, all the different methods. Uh, enjoy it all through the day, uh, all the way until candle lighting time. And speaking of Mark Zamek, I thank him. He's added more workout mixes uh, to, our, <laughs> to our incredible NSN app. So you can check that out uh, by going to the workout mix tab. On the NSN app, it really is a uh, an amazing service uh, for people who love their Jewish music and like to just keep on moving. 25 minutes before 7 o'clock, JM in the AM, the one, the only, Reb Shlomo Kalbach.
Levine and company with Baruch Kel Elyon, Kol Salonika had their Bowie Vishalom and the great Shlomo Kalbach with Bowie Vishalom. Ten minutes before 7 o'clock, JM and the AM Friday with candlelighting at 528. And this selection is one of my favorites from the Maccabees. <laughs> I've been all around the world, seen a lot of faces, never know where I was on the horizon. Ooh, well I know, I know, I know, I know, so I'll be rising back home. No, we won't forget where we came from, this city won't change us, we beat to the same drum. No, we won't forget where we came from. The city won't change us. We beat to the same Don't forget where you belong. to commit to it. You say that it's hard standing still. Don't you know that I spend all my nights counting backwards the days till I'm
just know you're not alone. I'm gonna make this place. I'm coming home, coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. Let the rain wash away all the pain of yesterday. I know my kingdom awaits, and they've forgiven my mistakes. I'm coming home.
Uzia Tzadok Shomer is the name of that one off of Sheer, uh, the double CD. The Maccabees before that with Home. Friday morning, JM in the AM. It says Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach with candle lighting at 528. 528. Bahab begins Monday. As we said, uh, Monday Rabbi Heber is going to join us. All the Gabayim out there, you may want to pay careful attention as we'll do some calendaric trivia with him on Monday. Uh, election day is Tuesday. Uh, I don't think we have any comments on the app yet this morning, which is very unusual, <laughs> especially in light of the day we had yesterday when the app was exploding with comments <clears throat> about our discussion regarding the election in hour number three yesterday. Uh, so if you want to comment on the NSN app, it's open for you right now to comment and uh, let us know what you think. And uh, we'll go back to standard time tomorrow. Standard time tomorrow night, 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial broadcasting live. The Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Golly, it's all in the background. News from Israel is coming up. Weekly update with Malcolm Honeline at 7.40 Eastern Time. That's coming up later on this morning and plenty more if you keep it here at JM in the AM. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. news. 1 p.m. 1 p.m. newscast for a Friday is next at JM in the AM. גליצה על השעה אחת, כאן שיבל כרמי מנסור עם מה שקורה עכשיו. בהר הרצל בירושלים התכנסו בני משפחתו וחבריו של יצחק רבין, זכרו לברכה, בטקס במלאת 21 שנים להירצחו. ביתו של ראש הממשלה המנוח, דליה רבין, אמרה כי עדיין יש בעם מי שמצדיקים את רצח אביה. חלקים שלמים בעם הזה מתבצרים מאחורי כל מיני מגננות שמאפשרות להם לומר שאולי היה טוב שרצחו אותו. ומקללים אותנו, המשפחה. העובדות האלה מקשות על ההתמודדות היומיומית עם האבל ועם האובדן. את הדברים הביאה כתבתנו דור מימון. מרוץ חיפה, גבר כבן 40 פונה במצב קשה לבית החולים רמב״ם בעיר לאחר שסבל ממכת חום. כתבנו קובי מנדל. צוותי מד"א שהיו פרוסים ממקומות שונים לאורך המסלולים של מרוץ חיפה נאלצו לטפל ולפנות לא מעט נפגעים. מנתוני סיכום הפעילות עולה כי הצוותים טיפלו בכ-60 נפגעים, מתוכם פונו לבית החולים רמב״ם שבעה משתתפים. אחד מהם כבן 40 מאושפז במצב קשה כשהוא סובל ממכת חום. עוד שלושה רצים שנפגעו גם הם ממכת חום, מאושפזים במצב קל עד בינוני. בתאונת דרכים בשדרות גולדה מאיר בירושלים נפצע קשה הולך רגל לאחר שנפגע מרכב. כתבנו אריאל זיגלר מוסר כי הפצוע פונה לבית החולים הדסה עין כרם כשהוא סובל מחבלות בראשו. המשטרה בוחנת את נסיבות התאונה. וטורקיה עלה לשמונה מספר ההרוגים בפיצוץ מכונית התופת בדרום המדינה. כתבתנו שירה נאות. ראש ממשלת טורקיה בינאלי ילדרים אמר כי שמונה נהרגו ומעל מאה נפצעו בפיצוץ מכונית התופת שאירע הבוקר. בפיצוץ נהרג גם החשוד בביצועו, פעיל במיליציה הכורדית ה-PKK. הפיצוץ אירע בדרום טורקיה באזור שמאוכלס ברובו על ידי המיעוט הכורדי. מועדון הבטקלן בפריז הודיע כי יפתח את שעריו מחדש ביום השנה למתקפת הטרור הקטלנית. כתבנו נתנאל דרשן. ב-12 בנובמבר יופיע הזמר סטינג במועדון המשופץ ותחת אבטחה כבדה במיוחד. זאת תהיה ההופעה הראשונה במועדון הבטקלן מאז המתקפה על פריז, שאירע ב-13 בנובמבר בשנה שעברה, במהלכה ירו מחבלי דאעש את תוך הקהל במועדון. למחרת ההופעה יתקיים בבטקלן טקס זיכרון בהשתתפות ניצולי הטבח. התחזית אצלנו היום ירידה קלה. 
בטמפרטורות ויהיה מעט קר מהרגיל בעונה, מחר ובראשון ללא שינוי. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב.
Hey, hey, hey. 
Jam in the AM, that's Lipa. Great tune off of the Hidden Spark with uh, Oev Shalom. Ben Sion Shanker's Menucha Vesimcha on a Hashem Damdaya Simcha liner. Jam in the AM Friday. Want to wish a Mazel Tov uh, to Dr. Shari and Dr. Renon Mann, Teaneck, New Jersey, celebrating the Bar Mitzvah of Joseph Mann this coming Shabbat. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Want to wish good luck to everybody running the New York City Marathon. A lot of people from our community are, in fact, running this Sunday. The Minion, under the leadership of Peter Burkowski, takes place at Fort Wadsworth in Staten Island. And from what I'm told now, it is multiple Minyanim, not just one Minion, going on all through the morning. Election Day is Tuesday. we got to get out there and vote. Keep that in mind. And don't forget, we change the clock tomorrow night. 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m. Candle lighting 528 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Noah. Our friends at Mayanot Yeshiva High School have their big open house this coming Sunday. This is a phenomenal opportunity for, on behalf of Stacy Siegel and myself and the entire Siegel family to give one big thank you, and I mean gargantuan thank you, uh, to uh, Sol Kasowitz and the uh, entire, uh, who's the president, and the entire uh, uh, board and administration of Mayanot Yeshiva High School. And we get the opportunity to do this while we still have a, uh, a child in Mayanot Yeshiva High School. And I will also uh, toss in a thank you to his predecessor, Menachem Schneidman. Uh, both of them through these years have made us feel so welcome and so much of a part of the Mayanot family. And this coming Sunday, they have their big open house as we wish them luck in further expansion of their amazing numbers <coughs> of students that they are attracting. And with us live via telephone, Anina Beeler, who is the director of admissions and the head mechanechet at Mayanot Yeshiva High School. And she's joined by Shoshana Pupko, who's the brand new dean of students at Mayanot. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to JM in the AM. Happy to be on the air with you again. I appreciate that. It's a pleasure to speak with you. Sunday's a big day. I was told that that the school is uh, preparing and getting ready to greet parents and students and make Sunday a very, very special day. Absolutely. We've been working nonstop to get the building ready and the students and the teachers ready, and everybody feels like they're ready for the, the big day to uh, to make it all happen on uh, on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Nina, you, you've enjoyed some incredible years, Bli Ainhara. I mean, some great numbers and a wonderful attraction uh, to my note from so many different neighborhoods and communities around New York and New Jersey, uh, not just, you know, the, the Teaneck and Bergen County area. We know it goes m- much further uh, beyond that, uh, how do things look now? How do things look as the recruiting season has started uh, essentially for next year? That's a great question. Actually, looking at our pre-registration numbers, we're at higher numbers than ever before. We're at almost uh, 200 families that have registered in advance, so it's going to be a huge crowd for Sunday. And you're right, it really doesn't just attract people from Bergen County, but people from all over the, the New York area um, Manhattan and Westchester and Riverdale and Highland Park, Staten Island, people are coming from, West Orange, Livingston. So it's exciting to have a group of young women from all over the area that get to come together and really be a part of the amazing Mayano educational experience. And what do we need to know in terms of Sunday specifically, in terms of how to register, in terms of the schedule? What do parents need to know out there? You can register online at mayanote.org. You can also register when you get here. Um, and the program starts at 9 o'clock with registration, and there's a lovely breakfast. The formal programming starts around 9.30, 9.45, um, and what's great about the main program is that you'll get to hear from some of our students, you'll get to hear from our amazing principal, Mrs. Kahan, and you'll get to choose areas that you're interested in learning more about at Mayano, classes and extracurriculars and college and our learning center. 
so much to choose from, and you'll get to create your own schedule for the morning so you can really learn about MyAnote, the parts that you really care the most about. Nina Beeler is with us, Director of Admissions over at MyAnote. You're all invited to head to the website, register for Sunday's open house, enjoy the program there in Teaneck, New Jersey, this coming Sunday. We can attest to the uh, incredible institution that MyAnote is and uh, encourage people to check it out. It has been a... Uh, it has been just wonderful, and again, I thank Saul Kasovitz and everybody who has worked so hard uh, to, you know, Maya Notes, as far as uh, I'm concerned as a parent, Nina, uh, continue to grow and get to a certain level, and that makes it more and more difficult as new, uh, as new lay leadership comes aboard, and yet it seems that recently they were able to push it even further and make the school even bigger and better. really flourish and we are able to offer more and more innovation and programming and activities for our students because of the larger numbers of students that are that are eager to come to our school. What do you hear from the young women who are with you over the last couple of years who've now gone to Israel and have gone off to college? Do you have an opportunity to follow up with them over these couple of years? Absolutely. We stay in very close contact with our, uh, our graduates. They often come and visit us. We have alumni who serve as fellows who come back on Fridays and run programming for our current students. We're incredibly proud of our graduates. And because of the close connections that teachers and students form during their four years of school, it really is a natural outgrowth that they stay in touch afterwards. And um, those connections really are beautiful and I think very formative both for the students but also for the faculty as well. Pretty amazing. Uh, Nina Beeler with us. Shoshana Pupko is Dean of Students, a brand new uh, uh, experience for her being at Mayanote Yeshiva High School. Shoshana, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me. I can only imagine how different your job is compared to when I was in high school. <laughs> I mean, it has probably gotten so complicated with all the programming and all the different things going on and trying to meet the needs of all students and families. must be a lot to juggle these days. It definitely is a lot to juggle, and I also find that at the end of the day, high school kids are high school kids. They want to feel challenged. They want to feel appreciated. They want to feel loved, and that's exactly what we're doing here. I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is there, is there I mean, well, we've had a lot of yuntifs. I don't know if there's been a specific day yet that you can uh, then you could cite, uh, but is there, is there something specific that either has happened or is coming up in the near future that you think you know, exemplifies what the school is all about and just what the spirit that Mayanote is known for is all about? Is there anything that you could uh, cite for us that would be a good example of that? I love to share my very first day here. I came down to Davening. And when I came back up to my office and I opened the door, I saw six juniors and four seniors sitting in my office. And I looked at them and I said, oh, hi, guys. Do you know whose office this is? And they said, no, I think it's somebody new, but we're just here to welcome her. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's so nice. And then I walked out and knocked on the door and walked back in. And I said, hi, guys, here I am. And that was my very first day here at Maya Notes. <laughs> the warmth um, is just incredible. I'll tell you, they, they like showering people with good feelings, with goodwill. Absolutely. And it seems that uh, that's all student-led, you know what I mean? I think, I think it just becomes infectious the more and more the students do that. Absolutely, absolutely. It comes directly from them, and it's, it's been enriching and exhilarating and absolutely wonderful. What are your thoughts about Sunday? You've been there a couple of months. Are you able at this point already to encourage people to check out the school and to, uh, and to offer them things that uh, might be of interest to them? A hundred percent. I mean, I have been in the building for a couple of months, but living in Englewood, right down the block, my note has always been on my radar uh, from the very beginning, and it's always been a place that I've looked forward to joining at some point. 
And so now it's just uh, solidified that opportunity for me. Well, I'm somewhat familiar, as you might suspect, uh, with some of the things that are coming up there and some of the special days that are planned. It's not always just about special days. Some of the regular days are pretty remarkable also. (laughs) But I can tell you uh, there's a lot of wonderful things going on. And and I'm sure that um, I would be remiss because of my um, uh, personal uh, encouragement that I've given over the last uh, year plus on this issue, I got to mention that the the um, uh, the custom that started last year and this cooperation between TABC and MyNO to make sure that at least once a week there is a real minion in the building so that everyone could participate and that the the uh, young ladies at MyNO could feel like they're part of a uh, you know of a regular shul experience so to speak I you know I, I never knew if that initiative would continue beyond the first year and in its initial enthusiasm and from what I hear it has continued with great enthusiasm so call a vote to all those who are involved it's been it's been fantastic it's also allowed the young ladies who do not want to join that minyan to come back into our big knesset and spread out really sit on their own and and kind of personalize what they're doing during tefillah. It's been absolutely enriching for both those who are in the minyan as well as those who are not. Good point. It really, uh, it, ha- it has opened up all the options for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Pretty amazing. All right, everybody out there, Nina Beeler, Shoshana Pupko, and everybody else at Maya Notes, Saul Kasovitz and his entire board, administration, and staff invite you to the big open house this Sunday. As you heard, hundreds are already registered. You can go to the Maya Note website, register now. You can wait till Sunday morning if you wish. And be there for the program. Nina, 9.15 would be a good time for people to show up, That's right? It's a great time, and I'll be there to greet you. So will Dr. Pupko. We can't wait to see you then. Oh, I apologize. Dr. Pupko, I'm sorry about that. Oh, don't worry about that. <laughs> I thank you both very much, and good luck on Sunday. Thank you so much. Have a good Shabbat. Have a wonderful Shabbat. That's Nina Beeler, uh, Director of Admissions, Dr. Shoshana Pupko, who is Dean of Students over at Maya Note. And I thank both of them. 27 minutes after 7 o'clock. More coming up on this Friday morning Erev Shabbos, including... Our weekly update, which is going to be happening uh, just about 15 minutes from now. Uh, Malcolm Holine is going to join us. Rabbi Yudin, of course, is uh, going to address us regarding Parshas Noach. Candle lighting at 528. It's the last time for a while that candle lighting will be this late as we change the clock uh, tomorrow night and go back to uh, standard time. So keep that in mind. By the way, now it's a six-hour difference with Israel. So if you want to speak to somebody in Israel before Shabbos, it's... Uh, a six-hour difference. Next week will be much more of a challenge. It'll be back to a seven-hour difference. So keep that in mind for those who are in touch with people on Friday mornings in the Holy Land. Waterbury Yeshiva album at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. 7.45 on a Friday on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach. It's Maishi Menlowitz from the uh, Nostalgia album. Yumi Lowy before that with Avinu. You heard Oseh Shalom from the uh, Stay With Me Waterbury CD. J.M. in the A.M., good morning all. Thanks for joining us. I uh, want to wish a Mazel Tov, Bar Mitzvah of Joseph Mann this coming Shabbos, to Dr. Shari Mann and to uh, Dr. Anon Mann. We say Mazel Tov to the entire family from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, by the way, Matis is interviewing uh, Rabbi Dove Lippman on um, on Sunday. JM Sunday begins at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmnam.org. Uh, Rabbi Dove Lippman is co-publisher of the book Words Can Kill, uh, which has been released in English on uh, this, the anniversary of the assassination of Yitzhak Rabin. Uh, Matis will speak to Rabbi Dove Lippman on Sunday morning. Uh, J.M. Sunday starts at 7, goes until 9 o'clock Eastern Time. New time. New time. Standard time. New time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the new clock. Uh, this coming Sunday at uh, com on the NSN app on the Nahum Siegel Network. Simple as that. Election Day is Sunday. Is uh, Tuesday. Finally. Make sure to go out there and vote. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations and joins us on the weekly update on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning to you. When when will it be the collective sigh of relief? Will it be sometime Tuesday night when all of America lets out that great, it's all over? I don't know, it might be Sunday, it could be four years, eight years, who knows <laughs> how long uh, until the American people now are able to come together again are able to put this election, and it's certainly been very divisive, if you remember, not just in terms of uh, the presidential candidates now, but remember the Republican primaries, the Democratic primaries, how much emotion was, was evoked. I think it's good that there's passion in the election, that people care, people want to turn out. Hopefully they will go and vote. But uh, I think that, that there are a lot of things that will need to be examined after this is all over about the mood in the country, the kind of atmosphere that's been created or exists and just was exposed. And uh, I think it's true on both sides. And yeah. I think it's, it's, there, there's something underlying the, the expressions that if you listen to the interviews of people uh, from all, all specters and, uh, and, and, and on, on every part of the spectrum and, and, every political ideological point of view that there are common expressions of concern and unease which i think have to be paid attention because these things can metastasize uh yesterday we had our own election forum with many uh, issues raised and uh, at some point a heated discussion which certainly was um uh taken into account by uh, uh different uh, observers around this country uh, on, on issues specifically regarding uh, things important to the Jewish community or perceived to be important to our community. And uh, it, it just, it, it seems that um, it, it's almost hard to believe that the, the gap between the candidates, the way they are presented, is as large as it is. And one of my points being, you've always emphasized, and I think you're still a believer in this, that no matter who becomes president, the likelihood 
that a good relationship with the state of Israel continues and the likelihood that things like financial aid, military cooperation, intelligence cooperation continues is more likely than not. I don't think you've changed your mind on that, correct? Mm, Absolutely, but it's also one of the reasons why I kept emphasizing that people should not ignore the congressional races where traditionally support has come even when there have been tensions with administrations. Congress has remained, and and today remains, very supportive. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, you know, again, from your political scientist background, this is very common. What we're seeing a couple of days before the election, right, where the numbers get closer, and where the the poll. Right, this this is more often than not that it tightens up in, in just the few days before the election. Am I right? Yes, it does tighten, and it can shift. But uh, I think that the the hidden factor here is that a lot of the pollsters say that people won't acknowledge that they're voting, let's say, for Trump, and will, in fact, do so, but don't know that it's not correct, or they don't feel that they should publicly uh, say so. So it could be a shift of several percentage points, which is all that might be necessary. Yeah. If you have a blowout election, so it, these things don't matter quite yeah. so much. And, and, and as you know, many people in our community, many people nationwide, Jew and Gentile alike, are, are sort of, you know, the way it's described, holding their nose, they go to the polls, and, you know, they want to participate, they want to vote. A lot of people don't like both candidates. Uh, is, is, does, does it put you, and it may not even be fair of me to ask you a question like this, but I wonder, you know, what your attitude is going into this when, when you know the collective attitude of the community toward both candidates, meaning, you know, all, all rhetoric and exaggeration aside, the majority of people are, are really just not happy with either one. Does that affect you as you think about working with the next White House? Well, it affects it in the sense that, that you know, a president should be a unifier. It's somebody who should be able to bring together not everybody uh, and at times have to take positions which may alienate significant segments if they believe it's the right thing to do. What I'm concerned and what I've tried to advocate to leaders and and to members of our community is to focus on the issues because whatever happens Tuesday, we're facing very serious challenges ahead. And when people wouldn't look and you know for how long, two years, we talked about the UNESCO resolutions, these attacks on Jerusalem, yeah. and it was very hard to rouse any interest here or in Israel, because everybody's so focused on the elections and who they back, and until you could get past that, and I refuse to discuss it, because I want people to focus on where they can make a difference and what the real issues, because they will be with us no matter who gets elected. And, uh, and I still think that people are not prepared for some of the challenges and when you, you see these immense developments, just this week, Iran threatening us over and over again, which we can talk about, but no response to it, because everybody's so focused on other things. Yet, next week, that will be far more important in terms of our future course of action, for the, the, the dangers that we face. And, uh, and obviously, the candidates have different approaches, and rarely do we have such a stark um, choice yeah. in between the candidates. I, so. I, I know that um, you know most people will say Al Tiftach Pet, which I understand. But is it I don't know surprising or 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 do you wonder sometimes that the enemy did not take further advantage of this you know period of time that's looked like as a vacuum? You know you you look at the last couple of months. 
it, it, it's been tenuous times with, you know, with this whole transition looming. Um, I don't know. Should we just should we just you know look up and say thank you that that there wasn't that there wasn't any type of uh, negative activity from the enemy uh, during this period of time? Well, it's from the enemies. There was, and and the problem is that we'll only start to focus on this when we see the consequences or when we get past the, the January twentieth. We're going to look back and ask how did all of this happen? And I think uh, there have been many changes on the ground, especially in the Middle East, where America's vulnerability or disengagement or whatever term you know the experts ascribe to it uh, has been taken advantage of by by Russia, by Iran, by others. Look at the election in Lebanon. How many people are even talking about the fact that you have now Aouna's president? He's a proxy for Hezbollah. He's a and I, I knew him. I went to Lebanon with him when he was a pro-Israel leader of the Christian forces and came into Israel regularly, took us. I took Senator D'Amato. We went once uh, to Marjoun and other places with uh, General Aoun. And and now we, we see this uh, takeover. Now Hariri will be prime minister, and we'll see how long that lasts and if he's able to create some sort of a balanced situation. But certainly have to declare that that was a victory for the Hezbollah Iranian uh, forces and and the Iranians said that one of their um, key military leaders, the, the military advisor to to Khamenei, he, he said, "Look, we have supported and detailed the support of their their uh, people in Syria, Iraq, Yemen, the Levant, which of course you know mm-hmm. is Lebanon, Syria, and and means Israel." Right. He confirmed for the first time that I remember publicly. Iranian military deployments in Gaza, and he said that the the is uh, the Islamic Revolution is the center, puts Iran at the center of the Muslim world, and said that Gaza and Palestine are our top religious and political priorities, and we put advisors there, we trained forces, we gave scientific knowledge, whatever went on, and yet here he is declaring all the stuff that they did. Khamenei says no negotiates with the United States. It's dangerous, wrong, won't yield what everybody said. Attacked Israel's occupation as the most destabilizing factor rather than recognizing uh, uh, that Iran. They announced that they're going to kill their opponents and they're going to go to get against dissidents abroad and that they're going to send, uh, IRGC is sending agents to the United States and Europe and well-trained and talked about it in, in details. And much more that happened just in this week. Has Israel about, has Israel reacted, by the way, to the uh, to the uh, well, Israel's been reacting all along. They don't react to every. Uh, no, I'm saying to the Brit- was but, made, but they're certainly reacting by their preparations on the on Israel's uh, uh, northern border because of the new president. Army because of the new Lebanese president. No, because of the threats of Iran. When Iran is saying, and, and because we know that there's been increased activities, and because um, Hezbollah has threatened to cross, and you have also ISIS and other groups there that could potentially want to rally the, the people in Syria by, uh, you know, refocusing on a common enemy. But the the they've been doing it because you know there were infiltrations or attempted infiltrations, and Israel has done a lot on the northern border to create. Uh, obstacles and and uh, carving up the ma- the border the mountains to make it hard to to be able to come through. Wow. Um, the um, 
anniversary of the assassination of Prime Minister, uh, first of all, it's almost impossible to believe it's 21 years. I'm sure you feel the same way. Absolutely. That's quite a long time. Uh, did you ever think about how different things would be, might have been, if if the Israeli, um, if the Israeli leadership would you know be a completely different landscape if not for the assassination? Well, I think about the what it did to Israeli society. Uh, I'm not sure in the political realm. If you remember, Netanyahu, I think was it was ahead of Rabin in in the election and. Um, uh, I'm not sure what, you know, what the outcome of the election would have been, which would have determined, right. of course, on the political level. But on the social level, I think the, this caused a tremendous revolution. It caused a lot of soul-searching, and that may have been beneficial for people to think about and, and some of the extreme language and exhortations, which I think diminished for a while. Uh, and there are people now who, who have told me in Israel and elsewhere that they were very concerned because it seems to be reemerging the, the uh, very uh, intense... Expressions. So yes, things might have been very different. And the media and and the, very and, painful period. And the media obviously doesn't help in that. I mean, they're they're they're, they're fanning the flames on both well, sides. They exploit it. Yeah, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at ninety one point nine in the FM dial, broadcasting live in the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world in the web, jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com, with thousands of articles that you could print out before Shabbos on, oh boy, practically every issue out there. And they continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible Nahum Siegel Network stream to everybody and uh, all their readers, and we thank them. And to OnlySimchas.com, who I noticed uh, used our content from yesterday, the big election forum, and, excuse me, and blasted that around the world, as it seems many people did. Uh, so thank you to OnlySimplest.com. We continue to use our content for their incredible brand new news feed. And don't forget, everybody, to listen to JM in the AM when we move to the uh, to be an exclusive presentation of the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure you have your computer at NahumSiegel.com. Make sure you have your listen line. You can actually call from any phone in the world. You can call 605-562-4400. Again, that's 605-562. 562-4400 and listen live to whatever's happening during our 24-hour network um, a presentation, simply including this segment. So 605-562-4400. Keep that in mind. Obviously, the NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app for both Android and iPhone are highly recommended. By the way, you think this is an indication, Malcolm, that the um, uh, because of such a low voter turnout among uh, expats in Israel, um, uh, compared to 2012, you think that that's, uh, that that's an indication of what may happen in this country, a very low and maybe the lowest voter turnout on Tuesday? It, it could be. I think a lot of people are uncertain, and, uh, and because of all the predictions, people feel that a lot of it is locked in or, or may believe that the outcome is set, which clearly we see the, the fluctuations. But they also should remember the down tickets. Mm-hmm. That the the members of Congress who are running in many cases you have judicial candidates you have uh, city uh, official candidates and certainly you know, every house seat is up mm-hmm. that uh, that their vote counts and that they should get out and and if they want to make demands on government they look at who comes out and who votes and who doesn't vote so why should they service your district if if people are indifferent and don't care enough to come out and vote so everybody I- should vote regardless of you know how they feel if they want to skip or they want to write in or they want to do something else if they don't like the candidates you know it's their choice but remember that 
you don't have really any influence then in the outcome if you do that. Yeah, no question about that. And also, uh, and there may be some big shifts in the Senate, by the way, which I'm sure you'll be paying very careful attention to. And um, and j- again, just your observation has has there. And someone asked me this yesterday. I thought it was an interesting question, as you know, for those of us who love this whole thing as a spectator sport. Um, it, we know about the importance of the House and Senate, obviously, when it comes to those who are, you know, in the concern for Israel group. We understand all of that. Um, it, there may be a major shift in the gubernatorial races. Um, there may be one party holding a very large majority of gubernatorial seats after uh, Tuesday. Is there ever any major effort from the concerns about Israel community when it comes to governor's races, or generally you haven't seen that over the years? No, I think it, it, first of all, it also often depends on the, on the candidates who arouse strong right. support in particular communities, but governors are important. People forget, and, and, and legislatures, they, they, they determine how districts are drawn, for instance, right. so they can well affect the congressional representation afterwards. The governors who have taken initiatives to set up uh, you know, commissions with Israel or trade or visited in difficult times, as Governor Cuomo did when he went to, to the tunnels right during the Gaza War, which was so important because it got right. a lot of coverage and it highlighted for many people what the real nature of the threat to Israel was. So governors Good are important. Good point. I, that you're, I mean, look, bottom line, and this is the day to say it because we're so close to such a big election day, the bottom line is that our grandparents and great-grandparents would encourage us to get to those polls on Tuesday. It they went in their walkers through the snow, the sleep, because they knew what it meant to be deprived of the vote. And we take it for granted. Maybe as much as uh, 40 to 50 percent of Jews don't vote, and especially um, younger Jews. Right. Older Jews who, who know what it means, uh, the significance more. So there was always fear about being drafted or getting, your, uh, you know, getting called for jury duty. That's no longer true that if it was. It's a different pool. If you pay an electric bill, you have as much chance of getting called as you do if you go and vote. So it does not affect. You know, your status as, a, as being called for jury duty or anything else. So there's no excuse for people not to go and vote. Malcolm, could you, could you, you got to set this up for me here because it's getting so confusing. Obviously, many of us are familiar with the United Nations, General Assembly, and now, of course, UNESCO is becoming more familiar to us for the reasons that you cited earlier. Now, now we read about Interpol and the, and the fight over whether the PA, who's attempting to join Interpol, in fact, will be able to, and Israel, I would assume, are try, is going to try, if they're not already trying, to block it. So now, what is Interpol when it comes to the, the family of UN agencies? And are there more that we should be aware of in the UN agencies that are, you know, going to become issues down the line? First, in the latter part, yes, there are many agencies that the PA is, is applying to and wants to apply to. And one of the big blocks against their successful efforts, the success of their efforts, is the fact that Congress said that any agency of the U.N. that admits the Palestinians as a state loses funding, that the United States cannot participate because we do not recognize them as a state, and that changes the rules, etc. So when people poo-poo some of the legislative initiatives like that and say, well, what significance does it really have? It's very significant. It's why we do not fund UNESCO, why we uh, also have been able to hold this uh, uh, sword over many other uh, UN agencies, it may be inevitable that, that they will get into more places. You know, they, they, they elevate their recognition in the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, the, the very key to them is this recognition and, and participation on a nationalistic level, but also 
in terms of Interpol, the concern is that this will give them access to a lot of information about counterterrorism and terrorism, about uh, um, putting them in the fulcrum of, of some of the efforts of people who generally don't trust Interpol and some of their past record is questionable on some issues uh, regarding uh, our interests. But Interpol is a powerful agency, and each one that falls, every time they get recognition, it means that, that it sets it up for another one to be targeted, uh, like UNESCO. It seems like they're simply throwing everything against the wall and just trying to, you know, utilize their power and influence to, to gain entry into whatever agency they can. Just They'll keep trying. And, and, and they look to where the United States, you know, can put up the least resistance right. in Israel, of course, and uh, the uh, array of countries and where you need unanimity and where you, you, need, uh, you need just a majority, which is something they can usually muster. Uh, because of the automatic setup in, in UN and UN related agencies. One of the things that we are pressing the new Secretary General and the old one is for the old one to come out yet and the new one to assert that, that this bias against Israel, this automatic uh, majorities, the, the resolutions, etc., will come to an end. I mean, it's just, it's, it's counterproductive. It's a waste of UN money, huge amounts to have these two standing Palestinian committees. I mean, you have nothing ca- parallel in dealing with all the other tragedies and uh, uh, that we're facing these days or political issues that we face. Uh, and, you know, these are anomalies of the past that should be should be ended. So there's a heavy agenda that, that and people, again, I know I say it often, you know, dismiss the UN, its significance, and they're wrong. Prime Minister, when he spoke at the UN, indicated that he thinks we're closer to that day than not when this bias will end. Well, we're working very hard on it, and and we've gotten we, we sent a letter to all the members of the UN, signed by all the member organizations, of conference across the whole political spectrum. More than fifty signed it, and we've gotten some good responses to it. And we are we are pressing this agenda very hard. Again, because it does have practical consequences aside from how Israel is viewed in the international community. Hey, explain to me the uh, the influence that the New York Times says Mohammed Dahlan has on the PA leadership. So Dahlan has been a, a, a long player for decades, and he's now announced that he's withdrawing from the race to succeed um, Abbas. Right. But I don't think that there is a race. I don't think Abbas is going to drop out. They've convened a meeting of Fatah on November 29th. I think its purpose is more to eliminate opposition than to create succession. Uh, he's 81 years old. He's uh, um, certainly not in any way interested, it seems, in negotiations, at least not now. And he uh, you know, is trying to protect the kleptocracy and the financial benefits that he, his sons, and others have been reaping from the... Palestinian Authority and, and the aid that comes to it. So Dahlan, uh, who has been living in Qatar, he was he was thrown out. He was the czar in Gaza, and when Hamas came in, he left. And the, uh, Fatah under Abbas has uh, been fighting him. He came back now, uh, but he he is the withdrawn essentially, from the front-line confrontation with Abbas. You have Jabril Rajoub, you have many others. Barghouti is the guy who seems to get the most vote. Though right. he's, serving, uh, he's in jail in Israel and is not getting out so soon. So I don't, I don't think that we're going to have a big succession fight. The internal fight within Fatah, the fights that are taking place in some of the camps where it's, it's uh, the people in the camps against the Palestinian Authority security forces,
horses in very bloody fights this week. They 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 point to a real instability and a frustration. You know, he's in the eleventh year or so of his four year term, and uh, they don't want to face the prospect of elections with Hamas likely to make very significant gains in, in the West Bank areas. Politically, he could outlast Bibi. It's funny. Whoever, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Whoever would have thought that. Yeah, that's whoever that's would have thought true. that Abbas down the road could be negotiating, quote unquote, with a different Israeli leader. It's really funny when you think about it. Uh, what do you think of the speaking of the New York? I don't think BB has any plans to go anywhere. No, I know. Also, I, so. I know he doesn't. Maybe but it's a race between them. Then. I understand he doesn't. But if if you had if you were right. a betting man and someone asked you to bet if this is his final term, I think you'd have to bet on that side. Am I right? No, I would say that it's a toss-up. Really? He didn't, he, he didn't make it clear that it's more likely than not, at the time of the election, he didn't make it clear that it's more likely than not that this would be his last term? No. Wow. Interesting. Um, what do you think of uh, Assad's attempt to convene journalists and convince the West that he has a, uh, a secure position, as he puts it, as the custodian of Syrian sovereignty, and that all these uh, terrible accusations that he's just out there killing... Uh, good people are uh, are ridiculous. What do you think of the PR campaign that he's on? Well, because he's feeling as though he has now gotten two guarantees, I mean, two life insurance policies, one from Iran, one from Russia, and both are committing to committed to, to sustaining him in power. The opposition forces, I think, have been weakened greatly. Uh, certainly Turkey, uh, the Saudis' role uh, diminished, both of them insisting on his being removed. Uh, the... Internal fighting continues, but the you know the Russians tip the balance a lot. Uh, we'll see how and the and the focus has shifted to Mosul, and more and more resources being poured into going after ISIS there, and and still the fighting in in Syria. Uh, you know there are still people being hurt, the bombings, the the terrific loss of life, and I saw some of the victims when I was in in Israel recently in in the hospitals in Israel's north. How many thousands have been treated there? And when they tell you about the situation in their own, in their communities and country, in the cities from which they come, it's, it's devastating. And much of the media doesn't get into those places because it's not safe. And you have indiscriminate bombings. Often, hospitals have been bombed. Many doctors have been killed, so they get no medical treatment of of uh, any significance. And uh, Assad is looking at this and saying, "Look, right now, I'm in." I, I, I'm beating them back in Aleppo. We're still fighting. It's it's not a one battle at all, even though sometimes it's described as such. It's still heavy fighting. And, uh, you know, as long as he holds on to Damascus, the coast, some of the coastal areas, and Aleppo, and he, he can stay in power. So he's essentially, and this is what we get from this campaign of his, he's essentially toying with the U.S. and British media, and others, I would guess, because as you just described, as long as he has Russian and Iranian support, he has nothing to worry about. Well, he has things to worry about, but, but he is, uh, I mean, his position is secure, and they have said that this is uh, a condition, and as long as they say he stays he stays. Simple as that. Uh, could you explain this battle going on with Justice Minister Ayala Chaked and Supreme Court President Miriam Naor and what what is about to happen as everyone's jockeying for position in terms of the future of the Justice Ministry in Israel? Or the Justice Department, I should say, in Israel. I, I don't really follow it, uh, as I don't follow most of the internal fights in, in Israel, because it's too draining and it it's, there's just too many of them to keep track of it all. But it looks like it but, could call for a major change. 
this, there has been calls for major change. And, and Shaked, who, by the way, from most of the people I spoke to, was rated quite highly. You know, when she was first appointed, people, I guess, made uh, um, comments and, and denigrated the, the prospects of her tenure. Right. And yet she's she's rated. I, I spoke to judges, spoke to um, people involved in, in law enforcement, and they spoke very highly of her competence, that she was smart, that she articulated the case for for uh, um, the ministry, and and there were issues we brought to her uh, about uh, certain uh, initiatives, and she did follow up and and took a great interest in it. So I don't know to what degree this is political or this is because of uh, you know trying to draw the lines of power, everybody protecting their own turf. Yeah, um, but it's not unusual in Israel. Hmm. Uh, what do you think of the effort in Israel to um, uh, to to restrain uh, uh, memorials or um, uh, um, uh, what's the proper word? Uh, in this case, it's the naming of a center, I believe, in the memory of uh, Rahavam Zevi Gandhi, who was uh, assassinated in Israel. Well, it's because of some of the revelations that have come out later, accusations that obviously can't be debated with him because right. he's not around. So um, it, it's more about that, and, you know, that is people, if true, then there's reason. Um, I, I don't think she removed the name. I think, it, you know, it, it, unless they have really hard proof and, and, and can make substantial cases, but um, we yeah. also remember his, his many contributions. However, it's certainly being tainted by the accusations that are being made. Understood. Last night I was discussing with somebody if anything could happen at this point uh, before the election to really alter things. Um, uh, God forbid we know that, that that may be one of the only things that could, in fact, alter things before Tuesday morning uh, would be action by the enemy. But, you know, things have been have been somewhat quiet. I alluded to that earlier. And then we see this article where U.S. intelligence officials are warning local authorities in New York, Texas, and Virginia about possible attacks by al-Qaeda on Monday, a day before the U.S. presidential election. Now, I don't know what I'm even asking you to comment on, because I don't know what there is to say, but I guess, again, this should certainly be expected, that even if there won't be an attack, please God, there's no reason, there's no reason to assume why the enemy wouldn't take advantage of this and start uh, you know, banding about Monday as the day to attack America. And if you take seriously the Iranian threats, then you believe that they do have some capacity to do things, let alone ISIS or, or uh, any of the other groups or al-Qaeda uh, who have known to have uh, people in the United States, people who have come in, into European places. If they don't have to attack the United States here, they can attack U.S. presence and, and embassies, et cetera, abroad. Yeah. Uh, but but that's one. I think also we should be reminded there was a story about, and, and I know many um, media, Jewish media carried it, the picture of a guy taking pictures at Jewish uh, girls' schools in Brooklyn. Right. People should not dismiss it, and they should circulate the picture to every principal in every school that if you, if this guy is seen anywhere, that it be reported to the police immediately that uh, it's... Um, we don't know what's behind it. We don't know whether it's anything serious or it's just happenstance. But it's clearly something that we should be alert to and, and concerned about and, and not just read it in, on any of the sites and then say, well, I, I, you know, and dismiss it that it happened to them. Everybody should see that picture. Every synagogue should post the guy's picture. And if he's seen, you know, if you see someone, say something. 
Do you think we'll see a big boost in law enforcement personnel in the New York area Monday and Tuesday? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, I'm concerned more about Wednesday or Tuesday night and Wednesday about the reaction. I, I don't think you're going to have riots in the streets, but I do think that the emotions are so high and the setup about whether it's rigged one way or another. Or, or and, and New York is a given, so I don't think, you know, the tensions are highest here. Yeah. Could be reaction in, in other places. Someone but, said to me that Wednesday half the country will be very disappointed and the other half will be just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's just so crazy when you think about it. But, you know, that, that, that's the way it is at this point. Uh, election Day, and we, this is something that I insisted our guests yesterday during our election forum end with, and obviously, uh, you know, you've said it already during this conversation, but it's something that we'll be trumpeting uh, over the next few days, and that is just simply get out and vote. It is very difficult to entice people or motivate them during this election. It's no secret that it's difficult to motivate people during this election to, in fact, go out and do so. But it's so important, and for our community specifically, it's so important. And if we'd like to have a voice in Washington, uh, you know, uh, in Congress, in the White House, etc., you you can't, like you always say, you can't complain if you're not involved. You can't complain if you're not taking a role. And here's one way that everybody could take a role. So I really hope and, they go. And they should remember that the issues we face and we're going to face in the coming months, and because of the election, again, we, we don't get to it, but uh, look, just the fight we had this week between Kerry and uh, the state and Treasury over the definition of for, for the sanctions, the Iran sanctions bill comes up, it, it expires December 31st. It's going to come up for renewal in both houses. We, we're going to have some action at the Security Council. The Palestinians are going to go for resolution on settlements. We're going to have many, many serious external challenges and internal challenges. And when you, everybody will have an opinion about that, and everybody will tell us what to do, but the first question you have to ask them is, did you vote? Did you help determine who will represent you in Congress? Did you send the message about who will be in the state legislatures or in any of the other positions that are up for now? If the answer is no, you're out of the conversation. Yeah, simple as that. All right, we'll reconvene next week, ironically enough, on Veterans Day. And uh, Tuesday is Election Day. Everybody get out there and vote, and vote uh, early, and, uh, vote, uh, and vote often, as they say. Thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. There he is, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Election Day is Tuesday. We continue to discuss the issues a week from today on Veterans Day, Friday, 7.40 Eastern Time. Make sure to join us for the next installment of the weekly update. I again remind everybody, as we make our transition to an all-digital format, make sure that for segments like this and everything else we do, uh, you are all prepared and all set, that you have your computer at NahumSiegel.com, that you have the uh, NSN, Nahum Siegel Network app, and when you go to your iPhone or Android store on your phone, you literally just search Nahum Siegel Network, and it comes up. So make sure to install the app. If you have a web radio, if you have a web radio and you have a tune-in programming, and and those with a web radio know what I mean, for now, you may want to try JM in the AM, because that will be an even easier way for you to access that stream, and, of course, that will remain that way Um uh, every single day for you there once you set it. I'm um, trying to think what else. Our listen line. There is a phone number where people call in from around the world to listen to our live network presentation. The actual schedule of what's going on at that moment. So if you have no other option, you're in your car and you just are desperate to hear 
JM and the AM, and you have no other option. You don't have the app. You don't have an auxiliary cable. You don't have Bluetooth. Uh, you don't have um, uh, you don't have any of those capabilities. Then you can call the listen line at six zero five. Five six two forty four hundred. And by the way, this phone number, please give to everybody out there, whether they're senior citizens or those who have no smartphones or those who consider themselves completely disconnected. Although, every, as we continue to go through this process, we find out that everyone who thinks they're disconnected are really connected and don't realize it. But if you want to, if you want to give them this number to make it even easier for them, they can just put it on their speaker phone or actually listen on the phone to a segment like this or anything else. 605-562-4400. 605-562-4400. Want to take this opportunity? Wish a mazel tov uh, to Dr. Shari and Dr. Anon Mann in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. Their son Joseph's bar mitzvah is tomorrow. We say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM on the big bar mitzvah celebration. I uh, also want to take this opportunity and wish a mazel tov to uh, Marilyn and David Cutler. The bris of their Bechor, their brand new baby boy, is taking place this morning to Marilyn and David Cutler. And, of course, David has joined us a million times with his uh, NCSY programs and incredible leadership for so much of our Jewish youth. Now they've got their own Jewish youth at home, <laughs> and that's their brand new baby boy. So to Marilyn and David Cutler, we say mazal tov uh, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Those of you who are running the New York City Marathon Sunday, don't forget there's a minion in Fort Wadsworth and Staten Island before the marathon. And we wish you luck in the big race. Don't forget Rabbi David Heber is scheduled to join us in the 7 o'clock hour on Monday to discuss the year 5777, as only he can, with calendaric trivia. Join us for that this coming Monday. Matis speaks Rabbi Dove Lippmann, the brand new book that we mentioned. Uh, that uh, that uh, Rabbi Lipman has uh, co uh, has co published on the issue of uh, Prime Minister Rabin's assassination. You can listen to Matis on the Nachum Siegel Network um, with the um, with the um, uh, interview with Rabbi Dov Lipman this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream at the NachumSiegel.com and on the NSN app and on our listen line, etc., etc. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Noach. Parshas Noach spans the second thousand years of civilization. It begins, sadly, with the Dor Hamabul, the generation of the flood, that because of their sins, they had to be literally killed out and removed from this world. And it ends with the Dor Haflaga, the generation that were dispersed because they were attempting to build a tower to rebel against Hashem. I'd like to ask a very basic question at the beginning, and please God to return to it. The Torah tells us that the entire land was corrupt. This is the third verse in the parasha. The earth became corrupt before God. But Chamas. 
the land was full with violence. Hashem sees that the earth is unfortunately Nishchasa. And listen to the next phrase. Ki yishchis kol basar is darko ala aretz. For all flesh had corrupted its way upon the earth. And Rashi adds, kol basar afilu vehemo chayav Even the beasts, the animals, the birds, niskokin lishe'enon minam were attracted and mated, had relations with, not their own species. I'd like to ask, how could this happen? And I'd like to give the following background in order for us to have a greater understanding how this could occur. Reb Chaim in his Nefesh Achayim, in chapter 5, extols the greatness and potential of man. He quotes the Pasuk from Ha'azinu, whereby in chapter 32, Pasuk 9, Ki Chelek Hashem Amo Yaakov Chevel Nachalaso. Hashem's portion is his people, and Yaakov is the chevel, the measure of his inheritance. The noun that's used here is chevel, which literally means a rope. And Rashi understands the rope to be consisted of three strands, namely the merits of the three patriarchs. And this is the essence of the Jewish people. But the Nefesh Achayim understands the rope to be suspended literally from heaven to earth. And when man tugs and pulls the rope in this world, it has consequences and reverberations in the upper realms as well. Proof to this could come from the Gemara in Brachos 35b, where Reb Chanina Barpada taught that if one benefits from this world, such as one eats without reciting the proper bracha, that person is stealing from Hashem and stealing from Knesset Yisrael, the Jewish people. Now what does it mean he's stealing from Hashem? It means that he's failing to proclaim Hashem's sovereignty over the world. But in addition, listen carefully now, He's stealing from the Jewish people. How so? So Rashi explains this to mean that when man sins, as in the case of eating, without a bracha, peros lokin, the fruit, their taste, nutritional value, become diminished. This is the powerful impact that man has on his natural environment. And two more Proofs of just this impact. It's interesting and fascinating to note the relationship between man and his natural world. When Adam eats from the forbidden fruit in chapter 3 of Beratius, and upon realizing his nakedness, he covers himself with fig leaves. Rashi 
in chapter 3, Pasuk 7 of Bereshis, quotes the Gemara Brachos 40a, that teaches that this is the tree from which he ate. If you want to know what it was, and there are other opinions, including the Esrog, but Rashi says no, it was a fig tree, and the very object of his sin, the fig tree, came the remedy, he was able to what? Cover his nakedness. However, Rashi goes on to say, the other trees refused to allow him to take of their leaves. What do you mean they refused? So, just as we have, Azuraninu, Kolatsei Yoar, we say this as part of the Kabbalah Shabbos tonight, chapter 96 of Tilim. Then, the trees will sing, meaning that the trees, a big wind, they shake. So here the trees shook and wouldn't allow Adam to come on, take of their leaves. Why? Because prior to the sin of Adam, all of nature, man and the natural world around him, were in perfect sync, perfect harmony. And they proudly were unified in bringing honor and glory to Hashem. When man sinned, however, it was an affront to all of nature, not just to man. His sinning brought about a negative change in the environment. And when Cain killed Hevel, and he was punished to be Novanod, a wanderer, Cain protests to Hashem and cries out, as we had in last week's Parsha of Bereshis, chapter 4, Pasuk 14, Whoever will meet me and find me will kill me. Now how is this to be understood? There are only two other human beings around. There are himself and his parents. And although they may want to kill him, forgive me, it was most unlikely that they would. So the Ramban therefore answers that the animals were going to kill Cain. Why? As once again, the peaceful nature of the natural world was broken, and the animals were going to kill him, if Hashem did not provide him with a protective mark. There is an ideal balance in the natural world with man. And interestingly, one could suggest that it all started when Hashem declared on the sixth day in chapter 1 of Bereshis, Pasuk 28, Na'aseh Odom, let us make man. A very challenging phrase. So Rashi explains what does it mean, let us, as referring to the angels with whom Hashem consulted prior to teaching man. And Rashi goes on to say that teaches us, Derech Eretz, we are to emulate God, that He consulted with the lower forms, and man too should consult with others that are beneath Him as well. But the Zohar, in Pasha's Pinchas, chapter 219, understands this to mean that Hashem was addressing all of creation when He said, Na'aseh Adam, let us make man. And He said, basically, I will take something from everything, from all the animals, all the different characteristics of the animals, I will take them, and together I will form man as a composite of all of nature. So this, interestingly, 
I believe, can help us understand the Mishnah at the end of the fifth parak of Avos, whereby Yehuda ben Tamar said that we are to be as kanomer, we are to be literally bold as a leopard, that we are to be kal kanesher, that we are to be light as an eagle, and rutz katsvi, and swift as a deer, and we are to be brave as a lion in order to perform the will of of your Father in Heaven. Now I ask you, why does Yehuda ben Tema, the author of the Mishnah, have to identify the animals? He could have said, be as, be bold, be swift, be strong. But perhaps he was reminding man, you can do it. You want to know why? Because look to the animals that are part, as part of their strength, is in you. Now, in the beginning of Parshas Noah, mankind is given a most humiliating blow by being referred to as Basar, meat. Hashem says, Kihishlis called Basar, all flesh has corrupted his way. And this most demeaning referral is repeated again in the opening part of the parsha. And as I started, Rashi quotes the Gemara of Sanhedrin, 108a, that even the beasts, the animals and the birds were acting in an immoral way, mating not with their own species. How can this be? The animals have their own natural order. They don't have a Yetzirah. They don't have an evil inclination. So I'd like to suggest, as indeed the Beis Halevi, in his opening discourse on Parshas Noach, teaches that man's actions have global consequences. What man does reverberates. And so his actions not only affect himself, his neighbors, and his immediate environment, but have a ripple effect upon the entire world. And this is a further substantiated by the Nefesh Achayim in chapter 3, who quotes several teachings of our Chachamim, including the Gemara Brachos 64a on the Pasuk in Yeshaya V'chol Bonayach Limude Hashem V'rav Shlom Bonayach All your children will be students of Hashem and all your children will have peace. And the Gemara understands it to mean Al-Tikri, do not understand it as Bonoyach, only as your children, but as Bonoyach, your builders, Rav Chaim Volozhna understands this to mean that man's actions either build up or destroy the world. And since all of nature is centered within man, when man degrades himself, it is reflected and has reverberations in the natural world. How could the animals conduct themselves in this way? Because man was immoral, and since man was immoral, ouch, this is what happened in nature as well. Rabbi Yisrael Solanter said so powerfully, look at the flip side in a positive way. When a yeshiva student strengthened himself 
in Poland. This prevented a Jewish student in university in Paris from intermarrying. Ooh, we don't understand and we don't know Halavai, the positive, and God forbid, the negative effects of our actions. In Parshas Noach, man is referred to as Basar, meat. And the greatness of Avram Avinu is, as we're told in Parshas Lech Lecha, next week, Vanefesh Asher Asu B'Choran. Literally, the souls they made in Choran. Rashi, in quoting the Gemara Sanhedrin, explains that Avram converted the men and Sarah converted the women. Now, we don't find anywhere that they're accepting Torah, mitzvot, putting on tefillin, keeping Shabbos. What kind of conversion is this? Perhaps, as Rav Amiel, Zechronel of Racha, in his Agionos Elami, suggests, Avram and Sarah taught mankind that man is not to be viewed as basar, as flesh, but as nefesh. Man is a spiritual being. He has the ability by uniting his body and soul to bring about that harmony in nature. Even marriage is, as Avram said to Sarah in next week's parasha of Bereshis, of, excuse me, of Lech Lecha. Save me by saying you're my sister and my soul may live on. The uniting of two individuals in sanctity, bringing harmony in the home, and thus by extension to the rest of creation. And so, what is the lesson of Parshas Noah? Much of our woes today are attributed by people to, quote, global warming. And I believe that if man would only look inward and take responsibility for the immorality of our society, for the breakdown of the sacred family structure, it would do more to restore that balance of nature and man. We all yearn for the days of Yeshaya, chapter 11, Pasuk 6, Vagor Ze'ev in Keves, that the wolf will dwell with the sheep. And the Torah, in this week's Parsha, provides us with the solution. Restore the harmony and balance in nature. How? By being moral. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. in the A.M. I thank Rabbi Yudin. Shabbat Shalom is right on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's Noach, candle lighting at 528. Peter Burkowski, who's responsible for the New York City Marathon Minion. Is, yeah, other radio programs, other radio programs actually, actually interview the people responsible for the New York City Marathon. Our radio program interviews the person responsible for the New York City Marathon, Shachris Minion. He's with us live via telephone. Peter, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning. How many years? What is it, 33 years? 34? This is the 33rd year. Wow. And uh, it sort of it has legs of its own, you know. It can go by itself. Yeah, at I this always point. tell people, you know, for, for Jews to daven in the morning, you don't need a rabbi. You just need 10 people. <laughs> at this point, people know what to do, huh? 
But there's a lot of logistics involved. We get a lot of support from New York Roadrunners. They give us a nice big tent right, uh, right there on the um, reservation at Fort Wadsworth. And it's an easy location to find. In memory of Fred LeBeau, I assume? Yes, it will be because, uh, in fact, tonight and tomorrow is Fred's 21st yard site. Wow. And I always have a couple of pictures up in our tent, uh, one of um, in 1990 when he was suffering from cancer. He came by the Minion and um, I have a picture of uh, Rabbi Michaels. Uh, he he ter- stopped his service and we made a Misha Baruch for Fred and <laughs> there was not a dry eye to be seen. Wow. And then another picture of him two years later when he was in remission and he decided to run in the marathon that year with uh, Greta Waits. And um, um, he came by and that, this time he asked to put tefillin on. Unbelievable. So him wearing tefillin, saying Shema. It, again, it was a very emotional experience. I remember that. So we're going to do a couple of things differently this year. Go ahead. One, one is we're going to um, have rolling minions. Usually, I used to announce the times of the different services, you know, because the, the 50,000 runners, they start in, in waves over a period of several hours. Right. So we'll have the first minion this year at 7 o'clock. And as soon as we finish the service, we'll start another one as soon as the minion gathers. And we'll continue to do that until there's no more need for it. Right. And the second thing is we're encouraging people to use the tefillin that we provide. We have extra sets of kosher tefillin. Um, if they want to bring their own tefillin, we will transport it to a secure location uh, in the city at the uh, Spanish and Portuguese Synagogue on Central Park West and 70th, which is literally within sight of the finish line. So uh, that's now, all taken care of. Now, no runner has to do anything in advance, right? They can just show up and take care of the, the, the whole fill-in exchange. That's correct. Okay. And we have alerted all the security stations outside of Fort Wadsworth. Um, so that if people are bringing fill-in in, the police and the security people, they know what fill-in looks like. Right. And uh, there won't be a question. By the way, good weather expected for Sunday for the runners. Excellent. Excellent. Where's your pasta party tomorrow night? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to sleep early. I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. So I got. Oh, you're lucky. Actually, they're changing the clock. You gain an hour. That's which true. Is, uh, this is traditional. The uh, the New York City marathoners get an extra hour of sleep each year. Yeah, that's good. All right, so there you have it, everybody. New York City Marathon Minion, Fort Wadsworth, Staten Island. If you miss one Minion, there'll be another. Peter Bukowski has been organizing this for years and years, and it's a great way to start a marathon day, right, Peter? Absolutely. It it just it gives people a lift. Yeah, it certainly does. All right. Good Have luck. Good, Shabbos, good luck on Sunday and a good Shabbos to you. Peter Burkowski, New York City Marathon Minion. Plenty more coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. 528. Candlelighting time. 528. Election day is Tuesday. Don't forget to vote, everybody. And yes, we do change the clock tomorrow night. 2 a.m. will become 1 a.m. This is JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM with Ari Goldwag. Menucha Simcha. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting 528. Rabbi Daron Peretz is with us live via telephone. He has just landed in the United States. Uh, many of you are aware of the fact that the RZA, the Religious Zionists of America, have their national conference happening this coming Sunday. November the 6th at Congregation Beth Shalom in Lawrence. And uh, Rabbi Daron Peretz is the director of the World Mizrahi Movement, the World Mizrahi Organization. It's based in Yerushalayim. He is here for Shabbat in New Jersey, which we'll talk about, and then the big conference uh, out on Long Island this coming Sunday. Harav Daron Peretz, welcome to JM in the AM. Morning, Nachum. Pleasure to be uh, in the States and pleasure to be on the show. I, Wonderful. I greatly appreciate that. All right, let's get right to it because we want to give people details about what's happening. Uh, you are going to be heading today to Teaneck, New Jersey, that area, to spend Shabbat. Where can people hear your presentation regarding the World Mizrahi Movement? Well, I'll be giving really drashot in the, in different shuls. I'll be speaking at uh, Renat this evening, giving the drasha. Very kindly have given me a platform there, the Friday night drasha. It'll be a regular, you know, a drasha, hopefully an inspirational one, and we'll touch on maybe things regarding re- the relevance of relig- religious Zionism. Right. And then I'll be with the Ketcher Torah community, both uh, for Shachrit in the morning, speaking <coughs> straight after Musaf, and then again giving a source-based shiur at Ketcher Torah between uh, Mincha Mariv as well. All right, so tonight at Congregation Renat Yisrael in Tinek, tomorrow at Congregation Ketcher Torah in Tinek, New Jersey, Rav Daron Peretz will be the guest speaker. The Religious Zionists of America, the Mizrahi Movement, invites you to the National Conference. It happens on Sunday, beginning at 1 p.m. at Congregation Beth Shalom of Lawrence, New York. The keynote address from Brett Stevens, the very well-known and popular columnist for the Wall Street Journal. Harav Herschel Schechter, Rosh Hashiva Ritz will be there. Harav Daron Peretz, who of course is with us via telephone, Director General of World Mizrahi, will be there. There'll be a buffet dinner toward the end of the program, and everyone is encouraged to RSVP by going to the RZA, Religious Zionists of America, rza.org website. Again, that's the rza.org website. Harav Daron Peretz, what, what will people experience this coming Sunday at the National Conference? I think first and foremost, Nachum, it's a sense of a uh, re-energizing of the RZA movement. It's a wonderful movement, a historic movement representing the uh, you know religious Zionism in America. Of course, there are many affected organizations here doing incredible work in terms of religious Zionism. But sort of the historic Mizrahi movement was in, in this country was the RZA. And we're in a process of, as we are worldwide, of energizing and re-energizing existing branches, many of them doing wonderful work, and just to continue to make it as relevant as possible. And I think that's exactly what we committed to uh, at, uh, you know, on Sunday. Uh, the RZA is in the process of uh, you know, bringing in younger people as well and in, in increasing its relevance. They've just brought on Rabbi Gideon Schlush as the new executive director, which they haven't had for a number of years. So to have a, uh, a wonderful and competent uh, um, rabbi as in that position, uh, rebuilt a new office with, a, uh, with, a, with a, uh, you know, an office infrastructure. Uh, and also I want to pay tribute also to the, uh, you know, the, there's a presidium, uh, Martin Ollener is the chairman, there's now a presidium of Martin Ollener from the, uh, uh, from New York, of course, Rabbi Lenny Matenki from Chicago, where we have an active branch as well, and Dr. Ernie Agatstein from LA. And building this co-presidency of, uh, members of the different branches, New York, Chicago, and LA, I think is really 
the message uh, to to invigorate as much as possible uh, with an active office and representation from across the country of trying to place religious Zionism and its relevance today in the 21st century in this country and globally uh, at the forefront of the public agenda. Well, I totally agree with you. I think that combination uh, of, of branches or leadership, however you want to refer to it, across this country uh, will certainly give a tremendous boost to the entire movement under your leadership. And uh, everyone can get a taste of that by being there Sunday. It's this coming Sunday at Congregation Beth Shalom of Lawrence on Broadway in Lawrence, New York, starting at 1 p.m. You're joined by uh, really such a diverse and in many areas incredible uh, lineup. In addition to yourself uh, speaking and addressing the crowd, we mentioned that Harav Herschel Schechter, uh, who, who better when it comes to the uh, uh, religious aspect of anything uh, to speak and to present? And Brett Stevens, who's been a tremendous friend of Israel and really the caring about Israel community. Uh, when you think about it, you have all the bases covered for this coming Sunday. Look, I think uh, I think the the two keynote speakers, uh, Brett Stevens and Harvershal Shlita, I think I think in those speakers is actually the message. I think at the end of the day, religious Zionism is about religious Zionism. It's about a synergy between Torah and Jewish identity, right. uh, and between uh, Zionism and our connection to Israel. And in the, and in, the you know, in the modern era, uh, these are the two greats that I'm going to speak about on Sunday. Is that the resurgence uh, post the Shoah of uh, against all odds the rebuilding of the Torah world in the most incredible, almost miraculous way throughout the world in Israel, the United States, and throughout the world. And also, uh, you know, uh, the resurgence of uh, the sovereignty of the Jewish people to the land of Israel and taking Zionism, which could in and of itself be just a secular movement, and taking Torah, which could just be a, a you know, focused on the Dalet Amot of Halakha, and bringing these two together in a synergy and a combination of the relevance of both Torah and both Eretz Israel, both commitment to Torah values and to the state of Israel into one holistic Weltanschauung and worldview, uh, is exactly what we're about. And I think the fact that Brett Stevens such a wonderful advocate for Israel and, 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 and a brilliant speaker and thinker, along with Harav Herschel, as you correctly said, you know, uh, what an incredible Tom Chacham and, and Gadol be Israel. And having these two together uh, is, I think, a phenomenal combination about the essence of our message. Yeah, you have an amazing day set up. And, and we hope to welcome Rabbi Doron Peretz into our studio this coming Monday. Please, God, we'll speak more about all of this. But right now we're being grabbed by the clock. I remind everybody, Sunday, Congregation Beth Shalom of Lawrence, 1 o'clock, RZA, Religious Zionists of America, join the Mizrahi Movement's incredible presentation by Brett Stevens, or by Herschel Schachter, or by Jerome Peretz, plus the buffet dinner toward the end of the program. Go to rza.org for information, rza.org for information, and to be there Sunday for what will be an incredible program. Harav Jerome Peretz, enjoy the conference out in Long Island. Enjoy Shabbat in Teaneck, New Jersey, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Nochum. Good Shabbos to everybody, and look forward, please God, to seeing everyone on, the, on Sunday with us at the conference, and please God in the studio on Monday. Good Shabbos and Shabbat Shalom. Thank you. We look forward to that very, very much. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos with candle lighting at 528. Tuesday's election day. We remind everybody how important it is to get out there and vote. Plan to do so. Get involved in the process. I don't know how many times we could say it, but we'll keep saying it all the way until Tuesday. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM.
good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM Dial Broadcasting Live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Round the world on the web, jmm.org, and of course, on the NSN app. Uh, Naomi Nachman, table for two with Menachem Lubinsky of Kosher Fest and Esti Berkowitz of Kosher Feast. They're up next with Naomi Nachman. You can watch it at NachumSiegel.com. You can hear it all on all of our platforms. And then, of course, followed by the Erev Shabbos Music Mix, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. An incredible Erev Shabbos Music Mix. Get ready for that. By the way, I want to wish a Mazel Tov to a Jacob Bernstein and his collar, Alexandra, and to Gloria Goldenberg, Joel Bernstein, and the entire extended family. The big wedding is coming up this coming Sunday. We look forward to celebrating. We say Mazel Tov 
from all of us here at JM in the AM. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Don't forget, Matis has JM Sunday with Rabbi Dove Lippman starting 7 a.m. Eastern time on Sunday. And we reconvene Monday morning. Till then, Achim Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.